If there's one thing we can use more of, it's wisdom. So what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at how we can be applying more heavenly wisdom in our Christian lives in James chapter 3. So get out your Bibles and let's get into the Word of God. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? I pray you guys are blessed in the Lord. So grateful once again to be with you guys as we continue our study here in the book of James. Today's podcast, 150, hard to believe, as we just continue to go through the Word of God in chronological order. And so that's a reminder, if you have never previously uh, dived into any of our other studies, we have uh, really the big bulk of what we have accomplished so far on the podcast is going through is about three and a half years of studying the Gospels. And so even if you did go through them in the past, and it's been a while, take advantage of jumping into those podcasts again and studying the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. As always, go to standstrongministries.org. You can click on podcasts there. And also want to remind you guys that you can also go to iwillstandstrong.org. It's a movement that we've been doing online, reaching young people with the gospel helping them to stand strong in their faith, helping them to build community. There's a pledge that they can take. So if you are a student, I encourage you to go to IWillStandStrong.org. If you're a youth pastor, a pastor of a church or parent or grandparent, send those to your children, to your grandchildren and let them take the pledge. They can also sign up for free our 30-day challenge that I wrote with the Benham brothers, David and Jason Benham. And we've had thousands of people go through the Version plan. It's been a huge blessing to just see how people are standing strong in their faith and also standing strong in the Word of God because you and I know those are not mutually exclusive. In order for you and I to have a strong faith, we have to be grounded in the Word. And before we go into James chapter 3, I I think this is very fitting uh, to tell you. Recently, I was watching a video of a great uh, Christian artist that I've always been fond of since the days he was with DC Talk, and that is Toby Mack. Now, if you're not familiar with Toby Mac, you know, he is probably one of the uh, greatest, you know, hip hop artists that we have seen in decades. And he sadly, I think it was over a year or so ago, he had lost his son uh, to an overdose. And when he was doing this interview with a good friend of his who was running a Christian radio station, the individual had asked Toby Mac, what, what have you you know, what, what carries you through? What, get, what gives you strength? And he flat out said the word of God. And to be honest, you guys, when I heard that, it, again, it sounds so simple, but knowing what he's gone through, what he's meant in my life, I don't know him personally, but just his music. And I took my kids, my wife and I took our kids to go see a Toby Mac concert. And I told him ahead of time, I said, guys, look, I've been a lot of concerts, secular and Christian. And Toby Mac is probably one of the greatest performers I've seen and and they loved him and so just knowing what he's been going through can't imagine though obviously what he's having to go through but just knowing you know that he is grieving obviously lost a child and maybe some of one of you guys or several of you guys listening uh sadly have had lost uh, uh have, have lost a child um but it just was really touching that knowing what he was going through that he said the word of god is carrying me through all of this 
and kind of shared what he had been studying. So I think that's a reminder for all of us, you guys, that we need the Word of God in our lives. We should not go throughout the day without studying the Word of God. It is so vitally important. And so as we continue our study here in the book of James, as we know, James is a book of wisdom. It's a book of wisdom. And as I said in the opening, we all can do with some more wisdom, right? We all need more wisdom in our lives. We don't ever get to a point where we have arrived and said, I think I've achieved enough wisdom to carry me through the rest of my life. No, we are always learning and growing and we always need more wisdom. And so as we look at this particular passage about how to pursue heavenly wisdom, I pray that it will not just complement your life, but that it would embolden your life, that you would, you would have a greater impact uh, in the lives uh, of other people through the wisdom that you uh, pursue um, in your life. I mean, because when it comes to the pursuit of heavenly wisdom, Again, notice I say heavenly wisdom because that's where we're going to be showing the difference between heavenly wisdom and worldly wisdom. So often, even professed Christians, even self-identified Christians can allow the ways of the world to consume them to where they have no wisdom whatsoever. So wisdom, you guys, it, it, it impacts every aspect of our lives, in our friendships, at our work, at school, in the decisions you make, whether it's about going to this store, buying this product, giving this money, whatever. We are always in our decision-making, in the decision process, seeking out wisdom. But the question is, is it going to be wisdom from above or is it going to be wisdom from the world? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Now, to bring you up to speed, last podcast, we were talking about in verses um, I believe it was 7 through 12, that we were talking about, yeah, 7 through 12, we were talking about the inconsistency and the perversity of the tongue. And in essence, what James was saying is, you know, isn't it ironic when you think about it that we, with our mouth, we praise God, but then in an instant, we could be cursing someone with it. We could be putting someone down. And so this is important as we as we dive in and look at this particular point now after James was talking about the pollution of the tongue. Remember, he was, and he gave uh, the analogy of nature. Does a spring pour forth in verse 11 from the same opening, both fresh, sweet, and salt, bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So that's the whole point of what he is talking about here is that we have to make sure that when we are saying that we're followers of Jesus Christ, that our mouth is being consistent to the teachings of God's word. That if I say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, that what I say, uh, that whatever, I should put it this way, whatever comes out of my mouth, honors the Lord, builds other people up, encourages people, not discouraging people. And that's so important. So now, one of the things that we're gonna be looking at is Paul, or excuse me, as James continues this study is showing the wisdom that, that comes. So whatever proceeds we know from the mouth comes from the heart, the Bible says, and defiles a person. So what we're actually going to be doing is we're going to be looking into that very statement from Jesus. And what James is going to do is he's going to say it's about wisdom. It's the kind of wisdom that you have in your heart. Remember, for, from the Jewish perspective, in a lot of the Jewish writings and a lot of the Jewish literature, 
among a lot of the Jewish philosophers and theologians and the rabbis, wisdom encompassed the entire being, right? The soul, the mind, capital M, of the human being. So wisdom was not compartmentalized. Wisdom wasn't something that was just kind of set to the side and you pulled it into your life or you you relied on it somewhat. No, it, it, it is to embody who you are. And you, the mark of a true follower of God, a lover of God is someone who pursues wisdom. Remember at the core of philosophy, phileo, Sophia is a love of wisdom. That's at the heart of a philosopher is someone who is pursuing wisdom in their life. So with that being said, let's dive right in and see this particular passage now in James chapter three and verses 13 through 18. So here we see James asks, who is wise and understanding among you? So literally in the Greek, it's saying, who has practical Christian living in their life? Like who is living practically and professionally applying the skills that God has given them in a manner that is worthy of God? That's what, that's what he's saying. He says, notice, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness that is in the humility and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, that means envy and selfish ambition, that's self-seeking, selfish zeal in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, that means sensual and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. All right, so let's break this down verse by verse. So right off the bat, as I was mentioning, when he asks the question here in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Man, you guys think about this. That's a powerful question. And I actually encourage you to use that in a group with other Christians, maybe in your next small group, to say, hey, I have a question. How many of you guys in this room think you're wise and understanding? Not like a wise guy, not kind of putting people down. You're not trying to put people on the spot. Now, sadly, and you probably already know this, but when you kind of throw a question out similar to this one that James is asking here that he's posing in verse 13, the tendency from Christians is to disregard it and think, you know, less of themselves because we know we're not to flaunt, we're not to be boastful, you know, we're not to be overly confident, you know, and, and come off like we're really cocky and we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. And yes, there is a balance. But notice what he's asking in this question is who among you has practical Christian living skills? I mean, who is in this understanding, who has developed an ability to live out their lives for God in the order in which the Lord has intended for you to live? Remember the apostle John said in 1 John 2 verse 6, I was actually just praying that over my family this morning where it says that, that we are to walk as he walked. I mean, that's, that's because in the verse before that was that we be perfected in his love. And so in essence, he's saying, who is being perfected by God in their lives? Who's living, notice he says, by his good conduct, that he shows his works, notice in meekness and wisdom. So when you're asking the question, somebody who's living a wise life, somebody who is 
you know, a wise individual, you know, someone who has understanding and, and you know who those people are. Oftentimes we target the people with white or gray hair or bald, right? Or less hair who just have lived longer lives than the rest of us. And yes, there's, there's some truth to that, but he's not really speaking about age. James is returning to exhorting Christians, you guys, to pursue wisdom. If you go back to remember to chapter one, verse five, he says, ask wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And what he's going to do now is he's going to contrast the person who's asking God for wisdom to somebody who's pursuing earthly wisdom in verses 14 through 16. So in 17 through 18, we see heavenly wisdom and then but contrasted with the evil wickedness that we see that is in the world. So James is posing this challenging question, you guys, as, as I'm posing it to you now, as you're listening. Would you say that you right now in your life, some of you guys have been a Christian for decades. Some of you guys perhaps are maybe on the fence. And there's, I'm sure, quite a few of you listening right now who have been following the Lord, who've been walking with the Lord for, for several years, but maybe, you know, there's still a lot of immaturity in your life. So I realize our audience on this podcast is very diverse, which we love, but we can't just assume that everybody is in the same place. That's impossible. Some of you guys are far, far more advanced in your sanctification than I am. Some of you guys have far more uh, degrees in the Bible than I have. And that's the beauty of sanctification sometimes and the diversity among believers. There's times where I'm the more mature one just by circumstance. And there's other times I'm not. And it's a blessing to be in all, be, you know, to be in the company of all believers, you guys, who are there to love one another, stir up love and honor the Lord. We are, we are to devote our lives to living according to what the word of God says. And so James, as he's challenging this, giving this challenging question, as I'm putting it out there for you guys, do you think you're wise? Do you think that you have understanding in your life? Do people look to you for the wisdom that you have? Do you speak truth into people's lives with love that God has given you a skill and ability? And so here, He's, empl he's employing a technical phrase, okay? This is what's fascinating about the way in which he poses this question. It's a technical phrase that's applied to teachers and to rabbis. Whoa. So what James, in essence, is doing is he's asking the question in a way which should only be asked, not just to rabbis, but the way in which rabbis pose questions to their students. And the reason James does this is because he measures a wise person on account of their good conduct. Because that's what you're probably already doing when I pose that question. It's not just, yes, what you say with your mouth. And obviously in context, that's what we're, we were just dealing with, with the, with the inconsistency and the perversity. So right off the bat, yes, if somebody is just filthy language all the time, they're putting people down, they're very critical, uh, they're condescending, they yell at people, or they shut down and don't say anything, or they can't say anything nice, right? That right there already tells you that person is really not that wise because of how, what spews from their mouth. Now you add, and again, I'd say there are actions in your tongue, okay? And it, it can cause other people to respond and do something 
based on what you say. Remember, we talked about a, a few weeks ago, you either with your words can fire someone up, fill them with passion, or you can tear someone down with your words. And so the way in which he's posing the question is he's, he's asking you based on the conduct as I'm asking you. And as I've looked at the word and says, Lord, what, what am I saying from what's, what's coming from my mouth and how am I living my life in the order in which you desire for me to live? Because notice what he says, let him show his works. And I believe that is encompassing the tongue as well. So a lot of our works uh, is not just solely based on what you actually do with your hands and, you know, like go do some, go feed the poor. But when you say something kind or uplifting, when you take the time to text somebody words of affirmation, uh, when you take time to call someone, when you take time to walk over to that person at church and say something nice to them, that is showing good works. And it says you're a Christian who lives out their faith. You know, when he's you know saying that you're to show your works, when you're showing uh, your faith by works, you're showing the wisdom that you carry. You're being thoughtful. You're being resourceful. You're being gentle when you're doing that. That right there, my friends, is someone who carries wisdom because they're showing self-control. They're putting the needs of others above themselves. And notice, that's why James here refers to meekness, doing it with meekness. The Greek word describes a horse who has been broken into submission by the bridle. Interesting, isn't that? When people can control their tongue, when people show others their good works, when other people see the resourcefulness that you bring, the thoughtfulness that you bring, they're seeing meekness. They're seeing wisdom. The term conveys a meditative and active acceptance to respond in gentleness, you guys, with self-control. So if you've ever been attacked, if someone's ever put you down, and yet you exemplify wisdom, that you compose yourself and you're gentle, you don't retaliate, but you're gentle to that person. That right there is a person of wisdom. True faith produces you guys good works. And it's always conducted in humility. Go back to James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. We just talked about that. You can't have an inactive faith. That's not wise Christian living. A wise Christian lives out their faith actively, controls their tongue, and is seeking the wisdom when you're going through trials, when you're going through tribulations, and you trust the Lord. See, a beautiful picture here of this meekness of wisdom, you guys, is captured in the words of Jesus. Let me read to you Matthew 11, verse 29. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Someone who is wise is a good listener. Someone who is wise is someone who you're able to share your heart with. You trust them. They're gentle to you. They comfort you. You know, it takes a lot, you guys, to allow people to come to you, to trust you, trust you with 
with sensitive information. And on top of that, are looking to you for direction. Right there, it shows wisdom. You have shown them wisdom in life. So it says in verse 14 now, but if you have bitter jealousy, but if you have envy and if there's selfish ambition, meaning if there's self-seeking, if there's selfish zeal in your hearts, the Bible says you're not to boast and be false of the truth. So what now James is doing here is he's offering a contrast to wisdom that's demonstrated by humility. So on, on one hand with humility, there's meekness, right? Um, that is exemplified through wisdom and self-control. And there are good works that are going to be accomplished. On the other hand, if there's bitterness, if there's jealousy, if there's selfish ambition, if there's boastfulness, guess what? Those are vices of the flesh. When you and I look at arrogance and jealousy and selfishness, these are all characteristics of who? Satan. And remember last episode when we we're talking about the tongue and it sets things ablaze on fire. And we know the word for devil slanderer, when we are advancing slander, we're advancing the work of Satan. That's not wise living. And you and I already, I mean, if, if we were to do a live chat and a bunch of us jumped on a live chat, maybe, by the way, as I'm recording this, maybe we could reach out to some of the audiences sometime and, 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 and do a, a live stream or some sort down the road. But, you know, if we were to do that and we just said, hey, how, how, how many of you have been mistreated by people who profess to be a Christian? How many of you guys have faced bitter jealousy from people, from supposed, you know, supposed Christians? I, you know, and again, there's a time and place for that. I get that. There's a time and place. And I guess as a, as a pastor who's done a lot of counseling, you know, I, I've heard a lot of stories from people who have shared some really heartbreaking stories about how they were betrayed by someone who was a professed believer. But when you go around and you see arrogance and jealousy and selfishness all over the place, that's not characteristics of a wise person. Those are characteristics of Satan. So at this time when James was writing this in the late 40s, the early Christians were priding themselves for knowing the truth and they were bitterly attacking one another out of envy. Nothing's new, right, my friends? That's still happening today. So when he says, do not boast, he's saying the leaders of the early church, you guys need to stop boasting about your wisdom because what you're failing to realize is that God is a, he is an all wise God. He has given you his truth and you're to be like Jesus and how you teach it. But when we boast in our um, knowledge and our pride we're being false to the truth. Why? Because Jesus said that the devil is the father of lies, John 8, 44. He said he's the great tempter, Matthew 4, verse 3. Paul described Satan's work as leading others astray, 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen, And all this started because of pride. It runs contrary to the truth. And that's why I love Ephesians 4, 15. It's not just speaking the truth. It's speaking the truth in love. They go hand in hand. And we know, according to 1 John 5, 19, that the whole world is under the control of the evil one, you guys. And so when we continue to advance pride and, and jealousy and bitterness, and we don't seek for forgiveness, we don't seek to be reconciled, then you know what, guys? Sometimes it's just not going to happen. Because that person is too prideful, they're too boastful to recognize that they're at fault. And you can't apologize for them. You can't take that on yourself. Imagine if you did that in marriage. 
if your spouse oftentimes did more wrong than good, but you always took the the, the blame, the, the fall for what they've done, how are they ever going to learn? If you, if you as a parent did that for your child, they never would, they would never take responsibility. That's not helping a child grow. And so that's what he's saying. When you say you're wise, but then you advance bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, you're false to the truth. That's not being wise. You're a fool. And then he says in verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. So you guys, when, you, when we are seeing division and disunity, when we see people slandering one another, when we see people that are gossiping behind people's backs, when we see people ripping on each other, cussing people out, when we see divorce left and right happening and seeing a bunch of hateful, hurtful things about, you know, your small group leader, your pastor of the church, when we see all this, when you cannot celebrate successes of a friend, all of those, you guys, are signs from wisdom that comes from the world. And notice what James says. He says, this wisdom, you guys, that you're living out, it doesn't come from God, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, meaning it's sensual, and it's demonic. This is interesting because here James identifies the origin and nature of worldly wisdom. One, he says it's earthly. What he's saying here is earthly wisdom is impure and it's at odds with God. Remember he said at the beginning of James chapter 4 that if you love the world, you are at enmity with God. The way his half-brother Jesus said, he says you cannot store up treasure on earth and also heaven. The treasure on earth gets destroyed. And if that's where your heart is, because remember, it says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's where you're going to invest. So you can't have it both ways. And so if you are living a life of wisdom, according to scripture, you're seeking, you're pursuing heavenly wisdom. But if there's a lot of arrogance in your life, if there's a lot of pride in your life, if there's a lot of bitterness in your life, if there's a lot of jealousy in your life, if you're slandering and calling people's name and you're just running your tongue, guess what, you guys? Guess what? You are living wisdom that is unspiritual, that is demonic. You're at odds with God. The word here, unspiritual, means to lack a connection with God. So not only is your wisdom earthly, you're at odds with God, but you lack a connection with God. And notice, he doesn't stop there. James goes into a third, uh, a third description, and it's demonic. This is an interesting Greek word, diamonidias. It's used nowhere else in scripture. Isn't that fascinating? So when he's describing earthly wisdom that's carried out with arrogance and pride and bitterness and jealousy and envy, he uses a Greek term that's nowhere else is it used in the scriptures. The rendering seems to convey being under the influence or the direction of demons. So you're at odds with God. You're not being connected with God. And therefore, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to be under the influence. Now, that will vary, you guys. Let me just say that. That will vary depending on where you stand with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and how you're living out your faith in Christ. But 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And I have seen it, you guys. Unfortunately, I have seen where so many people start off strong and they let this type of sin. They start just pursuing earthly wisdom because they care about their career. 
They care about their status. I mean, when I remember first moving to the South from Arizona, oh my goodness. I was around a lot of wealthy Christian people who were about status in their denomination. And it was shocking to me. I grew up in a poor neighborhood where, you know, we just were content with what we had. You know, we all worked hard. We didn't have a bunch of nice stuff. We didn't always go on vacation. I mean, just it was just a treat just to go to our grandmother's house 40 minutes from where we live to go go swimming in her in, in her backyard. Because where we grew up, nobody owned a pool. Okay. I mean, my neighbor cleaned pools for a living, but he didn't have a pool himself. And I just remember being introduced to so many, so much of this arrogance. And guess what? You can get sucked up into it. And after a while, if it's all about you, then you start calling the shots and you can, you can, it can start affecting your view of God because your view of yourself is distorted, you guys. And ultimately why? Because your view of God is distorted. And we start expecting and demanding things from God and it's wrong. And that's why in verse 16, he says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Let me just say something to you guys listening. If there's jealousy and selfish ambition where you're at, if it's in your marriage, if it's among your children, if it's in your friendships, if it's with people at work or people you work with at church or in your small group or whatever, you need to rebuke it, you guys. Because the Bible says here, where there's where where that where that exists, where, when this exists, no matter how big or small it is, there's going to be disorder in every notice every vile practice, selfish behavior and pursuits, selfish pursuits that is only produce further chaos. They only produce more disputes and more confusion, you guys. And so you wonder oftentimes why we're in such a pickle or why we're in such a mess is because we are applying earthly wisdom and not heavenly wisdom. And that's why he says in verse 17, but, but you guys, listen, who's wise among you, remember? Who has understanding? Who's demonstrating their faith by putting forth works with self-control and meekness and humility? He says, this is wisdom that comes first from above that is pure, then it's peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Wow. Boy, do we need that in our lives. True wisdom, you guys, reflects the nature of God. Notice earthly wisdom. You're at odds with God. You're not connect with God. And you open your door to demonic presence. But heavenly wisdom, you guys, is pure and peaceable. It's free from defilement. There's the absence of the motive to sin, to want to express arrogance or bitterness or envy or jealousy. You're not going to be performing vile practices. You're not going to be defiling other people. You're going to be gentle. That means you're going to be considerate and lenient to others. I love this phrase, open to reason. That means you're able to, to yield or submit to correction. You're not going to be self-seeking. You're going to be full of mercy and good fruits. You're going to sympathize with other people. You're going to joy, be, be joyful when other people are filled with joy. You're going to be impartial and sincere, meaning you're going to be honest and genuine in what you say with your mouth and also in your conduct. And so I leave you guys with this when we're talking about living a life of wisdom, pursuing heavenly wisdom.
Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 18 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Why? Because when he gets it, he will get understanding and gain from her his uh, it's better than silver and it, and it will profit and their profit is better than gold. Verse 15 says, she is more precious than jewels. This is describing wisdom and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. And then finally in verse 18, he says, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Here it is, you guys. Someone who per pursues the heavenly wisdom that James is describing here will not be producing vile practices. You're not going to be advancing the things of Satan. Instead, you will have a harvest of righteousness. Wise people, you guys, not just control their tongue. Wise people don't just say nice things. Wise people pursue peace. They, they, they produce peace. They pursue it and they produce it. So think about that. When someone asks you, are you a wise individual, how much peace are you bringing? Because remember, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. So you guys, when you are praying for wisdom in your life, when you're asking God for more wisdom, you're asking God that you become a wise person who's able to control their tongue. When you're asking God for more wisdom that comes from above, you're asking the Lord to be more pure. You're asking God to give you the wisdom that you need to pursue spiritual peace in your life and the life of others. When you're asking God for wisdom, you guys, you're asking him for more mercy. You're asking for more sincerity, that you are impartial, that you're not gonna subject yourself to things of the world to advance your own needs. You're not going to be selfishly seeking out what only you want. You're going to be caring for those around you. And so you guys, I do hope and pray as I always do for, for my listening audience that when you and I come together to stand strong in the word that we do exactly that. And if we're going to be standing strong in the word of God, it's because we're living out a life of wisdom, not from this world, but from above. So I hope and pray you guys that this passage, as we just concluded in James chapter three, we'll pick things up in James chapter four next time, but just be reminded that we all need wisdom in our lives. So thank you guys for tuning in once again to the podcast, share it with your friends out there, let other people know how they could be blessed as we are all blessed in this community as we continue to stand strong in our in, in the word of God. So love you guys. Until next time, keep standing strong. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the word of God.